Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we go through the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I want to just say a word about This Is Us. I, I love this series. Of, um, if you've ever been to the membership class, uh, part of it is right, a big section of it is from our membership class and the Who We Are section. We'll talk about who we are, who we believe God wants us to be, how, we, how that guides us, how it ought to guide us as a church and individually. And so it would be great to have in our life groups for all ages, from the preschools all the way through the adults, we'll have uh, the material and then also the worship services. Well, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read beginning with verse 10. And uh, this is a great chapter in the Bible, and uh, let's, let's pick it up now in verse 10. The Bible says, But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Well, you, you may remember that um, Paul is writing this to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 3, we'll see later that all scriptures God breathed. We'll see it's God, of course, who's speaking to us, not just Paul or someone else. It's, but God is God's word. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is speaking to Timothy. And Timothy is, he's kind of a mentor to Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, this is the kind of things you need to know about ministry. These are the kinds of things you need to know about living the kind of life God wants you to live. And so he gives here to Timothy some ideas about how to follow God's path for life, how to follow the course God has for you. And can I just tell you, that this isn't just Paul talking to Timothy, but it is ultimately God speaking to us. This applies to us. God gives us his word for a reason. And God wants us to know the course that he has for our lives and how to follow that. How do we follow the path God wants us to follow? So let's note 10 principles here. Yes, 10. If you're watching online, write these 10 down here in person. 10 principles. We've got enough ink. Let's write these 10 principles down about how to follow the course God has for your life. Just as Paul was saying to Timothy all those years ago, God the Holy Spirit saying to us, here's how to follow the course I have for your life. Let's note these 10 principles together. Principle number one, follow the truth. Follow the truth. Paul says here, you have followed my teaching. And Paul is saying, he's not just saying this is you follow what I think or I feel, but he's saying you're following the Word of God. I'm trying to follow the Word of God. I want you to follow the Word of God. I'm trying to build on the truth. You build on the truth. I want you to know what truth is. We, we teach the truth. He's saying preach the Word. He'll say later in this book of the Bible, preach the Word. We don't just preach our opinions, but what does God want? What does God say? Follow the truth. Now, truth matters deeply, deeply to God. He says the truth is what sets us free. He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to hear the truth, even when it doesn't always match what the culture says. It matters deeply to God. And where you start on a path is going to lead somewhere. You know, if you're going to get on a path, you ought to think about where it's going to get. And if you want to get to the right place with the course of your life, you're going to have to follow the right path. And that path starts with truth. Starts with truth. So if you want to go to St. Louis, you have to go west. And you want to go to Indianapolis, you have to go east. You want to go to Chicago, you have to go north. You, have to go, you want to go to Memphis, you go south. Well, if you're going to, if you want to go to Chicago, you can't start, you can't go south or you're going out of the way. And the Lord is reminding us 
that he has a course for our lives and the direction we go matters. And if you want to get to the end that God wants for you, that you want for you, then you have to follow the truth. So how do we follow the truth? I mean, how do we know it? What's the basis of truth? It's not, a, it's not feelings. That's what many people would say, right? It's, um, I feel like we start our sermons with, you know, our, just our personal conversational sermons. I feel, I think. So our opinions, our feelings, and they, can, they can be affected by lots of things. They can be affected by things beyond our control. They can be affected by our own sinful nature. God wants something more than that. Or popular opinion. or feelings based on popular opinion? Is it possible to be popular and wrong? Is it possible that the majority can sometimes just go the wrong direction? Hasn't it been true in our own history as a nation that sometimes the majority have said the wrong things or gone the wrong direction? So it's not popular opinion that determines truth. God gives us this standard of truth And he tells us the truth, whether we want it to be true or not, whether we like it or not, whether we feel like it or not, whether it's popular or not. And he says, follow the truth. And if you want to get to the end that God wants for you, you're going to have to follow the truth. Not feelings, not opinions, not what's easiest, but what's true. There's a second principle I'd like you to to note. By the way, I just want to refer, before you go to that second principle, just refer to 2 Timothy 3.16. We'll get to that eventually. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. It says all, all Scripture is inspired by God, but it's literally God-breathed. That's the word inspired, God-breathed. God, it's not just our, the opinions of Paul, but it's God's Word. And that's why we want to know the Word, study the Word, sing the Word, preach the Word, read the Word for ourselves in our small groups, in our personal devotions, because we want to follow the truth. Principle number two, do what's right. If you want to follow the course God has for your life, not only do you learn the truth, but you have to live the truth. Paul says here, you have followed my teaching and conduct. Now, conduct is an odd word for us. We don't use it as much anymore. It's talking about our actions, our behavior, what we do. So he's saying, I want you to learn the truth. That's what it means by following the truth. But I want you to live the, the truth. That's what conduct is about. When I was really young, this is I, this has changed now. You don't get this in school now. But in my in my day, I always like it when I start a conversation with young people that way. In my day, we used to get not only a grade for academics, but also when I was really young for conduct. Is anyone here that's old enough to that you got that in? Man, you are really old. You know what? You are really really old if you raised your hand there. Conduct. Or sometimes it's called deportment. And maybe in your school, if you were like a really, you know, kind of uppity school, you were deportment. But conduct, now I did pretty well usually on the academic side, but on the conduct side, sometimes not as well as my parents expected. And sometimes the teacher would write in the notes to my parents, she would write, Doug talks too much. (laughs) I went into the right profession, didn't I? I got the right job. Some of you are still saying, Doug talks too much. He talks too much. Ten points for crying out loud. Well, what the school was trying to teach me in those days was that not only was I to learn facts, but I was to live out the right way. God is teaching us what I want you to do is to learn the truth, but I want you to live that truth. I want, you to, I want it to affect your conduct, your actions, your behavior. God will always care about your conduct, your action, and your behavior. 
principle number three to following God's course for your life is to live with purpose. You're followed by teaching, conduct, purpose. Purpose is important for us. It's telling us that God has given our lives meaning. You don't have just an accidental life. God made you for a reason. Your life has meaning. It has direction. You don't just kind of go whichever, whatever way you want to go, whatever is the easy way. But God wants your life to have direction. And God wants your life to have responsibilities. He made you to be responsible, to do things. He gives your life purpose. He created you. You're not an accident. He created you for a purpose. And if you know him as Savior, if you're saved, he saved you for a purpose. And he wants, to, he wants you to accomplish those purposes in your life. Many people live their lives sort of like water, uh, how water follows the easiest path, the path of least resistance. If, it, if we have a big rain, and not, not just a little rain, but a big rain, a gully washer, as they sometimes say, you know, big rain. Now, eventually, for a while, the ground soaks in the rain, but eventually the ground can't hold any more water, and the rain begins to wash across the water, and it, it's always looking for the easiest path. It's always going downhill, eventually get, makes little rivulets, and then into creeks, and then into rivers, and then into the ocean. Well, many people live their lives like that, the path of least resistance. I'll just do, you know, what's easiest, what's less, whatever's the least complicated, whatever's just sort of there. And God wants you to live life on purpose, because I'll just tell you, God's will for your life is sometimes uphill, not downhill. And it's sometimes hard and not easy. If you're looking for the easy way, believe me, many people in that club, but if you're looking for the easy way, Christianity's not for you. God very often says to us, I want you to go on that journey uphill that's less traveled, that's more difficult, that's that got greater challenges. That's the way I want you to go. I want you to live a life of purpose. Not just a life of least resistance, but a life of purpose. One of the reasons we're doing our study on This Is Us is because we want to remind ourselves of the purpose for which God made us individually, why, why He saved us, and why He made our church, what a church is supposed to be. What is it that we're supposed to be about? God cares deeply about purpose. And God made you for a purpose, and God saved you if you're saved for a purpose, and not just to live, not just to die, not just to be, but to do something and to follow His his plan. He's given your life meaning and direction and responsibility. Principle number four, trust God. Trust God. If you're going to follow the course God has for your life, you're going to have to trust Him. The Bible calls it faith. You followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. God wants us to trust Him. We're to trust God's, both God's ability and His wisdom. His ability and His wisdom. So let me ask you these questions. Do you trust God or self? It's a very common story. But the question really of the decision really is about who's more trustworthy. Who, who's more trustworthy? Do I trust God with my life and God with my future, or do I trust myself? Well, who's more trustworthy? Who's got more ability? Who knows better the future? Who knows better right from wrong? Who knows better what they're capable of? And if you're saying God has ability and God is who he says he is, then God can be trusted. He has the ability to be trusted. But I think there are many people who would say, I trust God. I trust his ability. I just, I'm, I'm not so sure that I trust his wisdom. And I'm asking the question, does God know best? 
Does God know better than me? It's a pretty important question. Does God know what's best for your life better than you know what's best? I think there are a lot of believers who would say, you know, God has plenty of power. God's able to do whatever he wants, but I don't want to trust him with my life because maybe God won't make my life like I want it to be, and maybe I can't really trust him. You know, maybe his wisdom isn't that great after all, and I'm, I'm going to trust myself and my abilities and my wisdom and what I think is right and best instead of God, who really wants what's best for you more than you want what's best for you. You, you hear of people who have trust issues, and undoubtedly some of you are here who have trust issues. So you got harmed by someone who should have been trustworthy in your life. And so you bring that with you if you're like many. You brought it here to this place today. And you, it's hard for you to trust people because someone who should have been trustworthy wasn't. Maybe you had a relationship. And you got your heart broken. And you said, I'm not, I'm not ever going to trust anyone with my heart again. I'm not going to trust them. That, undoubtedly, there are plenty of people here who have trust issues. Some of you have trust issues with God. And can I tell you, the reason you have trust issues with God is not because God has broken trust. It's not because God has wronged you. But because, you know, if that relationship with God is damaged, it's not God's end. We're the ones who broke the relationship. It's our sins that broke the trust. We are the ones responsible but those trust issues become real. And pretty soon our sinful nature says, I don't want to trust God. I want to trust me. And that's a terrible decision. And one of the ways to get off course in life is to begin to trust yourself instead of God. Trust your feelings. Trust your intuition. Trust your abilities. Trust your talents. Trust your resources. And God is so absolutely trustworthy. Did you know God, not only does he have the ability to be trusted, he's got all the power you need. But he's got all the wisdom you need as well. And he cares about you and he loves you and he wants what's right and best for you. And I want to urge you to trust God, even though you have brought to your, with you to this place, to, to your viewing of this message, to hearing online trust issues, because broken trust has come with sin. There's a fourth aspect of following God's course for your life, and that is to be patient. The Bible says, you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience. God wants you to think long-term, to see the big picture, to be patient. Paul's saying to Timothy, you know, Timothy, sometimes people, you have to have patience with people. They'll try your patience sometime, sometimes. Sometimes they're slow to change. Sometimes they're quick to go the wrong way. Sometimes you need patience. You need to think long-term and not short-term. You need to th see the big picture and learn patience to stay faithful, even though it's more difficult. I always had summer jobs, of course, like many people. And in high school and college, I'd have summer jobs. Often they were construction sort of jobs. And I noticed that sometimes some of the guys I work with, especially the guys who've been you know, working in construction for a long time, some of them uh, were very wise with their money and some not so much. Now, I'm a, a saver by nature. I've always been a saver. I've been a, a spender like a lot of people are. And the downside of that, of course, is that I had to learn to give. I mean, the Lord had to break my stubborn heart and help me to find the joy in giving. And it's been very important to me to learn to be a giver. But one of the benefits is that I'm not just, I don't just tend to spend. And so I'd save, you know, for the future. I'd think that way. But not all the guys did. 
So some of the guys were great about it. They were planning. They were taking care of their families. They were thinking long-term. They were even planning for retirement. Some of the guys were living just for the moment. And they would get their paycheck on a Friday at the end of work, and they would spend it all on the weekend and have nothing left. And they'd be borrowing money from guys and at work on Monday to have enough to eat for the rest of the week. And I think spiritually many people are like this. We're living just for the moment. You know, what gives me pleasure for right now? What can I have right now? Never thinking long-term. God wants you to think long-term. In fact, even eternally, even eternally, to think about the biggest picture. God, I'm going to stand before you one day. I want to live my life in a way that's going to honor you long-term. I'm willing to stay at it, to be patient with people, because I recognize the impatience in my own life. And I want to learn that patience. Paul's saying, Timothy, learn to be patient with people who are fallen and frail and broken. Learn to be patient in circumstances to think long-term and not short-term. And then number six, choose love. Choose love. The Bible says one of the characteristics for Timothy to follow is love. You know, Paul could have chosen a lot of things here, couldn't he? If his life wasn't always easy. He didn't have to choose love. He could have, cho- he could have chosen hate. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Jesus Christ was an extremist, which is... 100% right. Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. For love, truth, and goodness. That's why he chose that path of love when many people counseled him to choose the path of hate. Paul could have chosen the path of hate. He had plenty of people who hated him. He could have hated in response. Paul could have chosen the path of anger. He had angry people, people who were angry with him, who hated the message of the gospel. He could have responded with anger. He could have responded with bitterness, with unforgiveness. Many of us do that. You wrong me, I'm going to wrong you. You hate me, I'm going to hate you. And Paul said, I I chose love. Timothy, even though you're going to be wronged and you're going to face hurts and there's going to be problems and pain, choose love. It's a choice that you can make. Choose to love people. Jesus said, choose to love people, even those who think of you as an enemy. Love them. Jesus gave us the example of love. Jesus came into this world because of love. Jesus went to the cross because of love. And he says to us, choose love. And there's a power to love. There's a power to love to change our lives and change the course of our lives and change eternity itself. And I want you to follow that extremist Jesus who was extreme about love and truth and goodness Principle number seven, don't quit. The last word of verse 10 is the word endurance. It's not like a glamorous word, is it? Endurance. But what a powerful word. What an important word. You know why Paul said to Timothy, endure? Why he told him not to quit? It's because you're going to feel like quitting. He knew Timothy would feel like quitting. I suspect Paul felt like quitting sometimes. Timothy would feel like quitting. I think every single life group teacher who has ever existed has felt like quitting. Every pastor, every missionary, every, every person involved in ministry and service. And Paul's saying, you're going to feel like quitting, but I want you to endure. I want you to stay with it. I want you to fulfill your responsibilities. Everyone makes these commitments in the beginning of the year. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. But endurance is uh, one thing to make the commitment. That's easy. Endurance is not glamorous, but it makes all the difference. And God is saying to us, endure. I want you to stay at it. 
Don't, don't quit easily. Our way often is to, is to quit. Things get problem. Uh, you're problematic or difficult. You got a problem in your marriage? Out, man, run. Isn't that the way we do it? You don't, you don't like circumstances? Run from them. And sometimes God is saying, I want you to stay faithful right in the middle of that. And I want you to stick with it. I know that ministry isn't easy. Stay at it. Now, sometimes God moves you to other things. Great, wonderful. But very often, we run from difficult times when God is saying, I want you to endure through difficult times. It brings us to principle numbers, number eight, the very important one, endure difficulties. Now, let's notice there's two verses I want you to note here, verses 11 and 12, that talk to us about persecution and sufferings. Verse 11 says, not only did you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and suffering that came to me. So Paul had persecutions. That's when we face problems because of our faith. And sufferings, maybe a little broader sense in which the sufferings of life happen because we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen in this fallen world. And he said, uh, he gave examples. Persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, boy, uh, Timothy had not been to those places. He didn't know about, he heard about the suffering and persecution in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Now, Timothy knew something about the persecution and suffering in Lystra. He was there. So he heard about suffering and he saw it. In fact, he even endured it. And Paul said, what persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all in the middle of all those problems. I saw the Lord was there. And he says this, verse 12 is amazing. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Is that you? Do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Well, in fact, all who li- want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Faith brings problems. Faith brings difficulties. There are people living in, the, in many parts of our world who are facing grave persecution even this day because of their faith. Here's what the Lord's saying. Number one, be faithful in suffering. Be faithful in suffering. It's a powerful witness. People, the world is not surprised that you're faithful when things are going well. But they are shocked when you're faithful when it's not. You want to be a witness in this world? There is a power to the person who is faithful in the, in the biggest problems of life, and some of you are in that problem right now and are facing grave struggles and difficulties, there's a power to that witness. You be faithful in difficult times, and that is a, a witness that God will use in the lives of other people. It opens doors. And then secondly, learn from suffering. Learn from it. How did Paul learn the lesson that God rescues me from problems? It happened when he needed rescue. How would, he be, how would he have learned that God could rescue him except that God used the circumstances of a time when he needed to be rescued and God rescued him? He found out God was faithful even in difficult times. He learned from suffering. So not only is suffering a, a powerful witness, but it's a powerful teacher. So we often say here, don't waste your pain. Nobody wants pain. No one likes pain. We don't ask for pain. We don't enjoy the pain, but don't waste it. With pain comes an opportunity to learn that comes no other way, and with pain comes opportunities that come no other way. And God will use the difficulties you're facing in your life right now 
if you'll allow him to, if you'll trust him, if you'll turn to him, God will use them as a powerful witness in the lives of others and a powerful teacher in your own life. And you will discover that God is faithful, that God can be depended upon, that God cares about you, that he loves you right in the middle of the problems. And so the Lord reminds us, Paul is saying, Timothy, you're going to face some difficulties along the way. There's no way around it. If you want to be faithful to God, there's no way around it. This is a fallen, broken world. You're dealing with fallen, broken people. The people around you are fallen. The people around you are broken. The people you minister to are fallen. The people you minister to are broken. And by the way, Timothy, you yourself are fallen and you yourself are broken. So there's no getting around this. There's going to be problems and persecutions and sufferings that come with following the Lord. But you endure and you stay faithful. And God will use that in your life. He will teach you the lessons you need to learn and God will use it to make a difference. And some of you are living testimonies of this. Because there are some in your midst who have gone through great times of suffering and they trusted God more deeply than ever. You know, when you face a problem, you either trust Him more or less. And sometimes you just kind of go along the same direction you've always been going in life. And then sometimes you come to a T in the road and a time of suffering is a T in the road. I'm going to go my way or God's way, away from God or toward God. And some of you are here who have gone toward God and the, the deepest lessons of life you learned were those moments of suffering. You didn't want the pain, you didn't like the pain, but you learned through the pain. And for many of you, that became the avenue by which you found a ministry that God wanted you involved in and an avenue by which you began to serve God more faithfully. And God used that to allow you who have been hurt and broken to deal with other people who are hurt and broken. You know, you're not the only one going through that pain, whatever it is. I don't mean to minimize your pain. I'm just saying you're not the only one who's gone through that. Did you know that? Did you think you were the only one who's gone through that loneliness, that sorrow, that hurt? And God would use this in your life as a means by which you will bring help and healing and hope to other people. And so, would I, so could I just urge you to endure difficulty? It's one of the ways, if you'll follow that course, God will use that course of difficulty and struggle as a means by which you will bring glory to his name. Principle number nine, beware of deception. Verse 13 says, evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, first of all, deception will get worse. It's not getting better. It's going to get worse. As the time, as we approach the end of time, evil people and imposters will become worse, the Bible says. It seems evident that's the case. Deception will get worse. People being deceived will get worse. Deceivers and those being deceived. People will be deceived by a thousand ways, and instead of following the truth, instead of following the Lord, they will be deceived, and they will deceive others. And secondly, note, deception will come from without and within evil people and imposters some who are outside the church some who are inside the church great damage can be done to the cause of christ from outside the church but the greatest is often from within and those who are doing damage from within uh, imp imposters of faith and it's a great warning it's why the bible talks to us so often about testing faith and about knowing his word and building on truth because of the danger and the damage and the enemy is a deceiver and he's always looking for a way to he's saying listen this course you're on right now that's too hard i got a better one or this course god's just trying to make your life miserable come on i'll give you pleasure 
Oh, that course, man, why in the world? Look how few people go that way. If you'll come this way, you'll be the life of the party. And he's always, he'll, anything you'll give him, he'll take. And he'll find a way to deceive you. You know, when there's only one way to go right, there are thousands of ways to go wrong. And the enemy is always looking for a way to deceive you so that you will be deceived and you'll end up deceiving others along the way when God has a better way for you. Principle number 10, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Let's go to verse 14. But as for you, now listen, there's lots of problems in the world, he's saying, but as for you, evil people and imposters will increase, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. Timothy, you learned something along the way. We're going to be, we're going to be reminded that Timothy had a godly mother and grandmother, and you learned something along the way. And you firmly believe. There was a day when Timothy realized he was a sinner who needed a Savior. And Timothy gave his life to Christ. And he said, continue. Continue. The Appalachian Trail is a couple thousand mile hike through the eastern part of the United States. Unbelievably difficult. Uh, 2,000 miles length. I've walked the width. That's only like four feet. But don't, the length is way, way harder than like 2,000 plus miles. So I, I've watched these. I'm not, I don't have an interest in doing the length. I mean, I'll do the width fine, but I don't want to do the length of the Appalachian Trail. So I've watched documentaries of people who do it. It's amazing. I mean, it's you know, months of hot and cold and up and down and difficult and in one of the documentaries, they're asking a, a guy basically this question, how did you do it? And, and here's, kind of summarize this is what he said. He said, I started on the path and I just kept going. I started on the path and I just kept going. There's something about that. To say, God, I'm going to start on this path. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow the truth. And I want to do what's right. And I want to live my life with purpose. And I want to trust you every step of the way. I want to learn the patience and choose the love. And, and instead of quitting, I want endurance. And I want to endure difficulties. And I want to beware of the deception. But ultimately, I want to stay faithful. I want to continue. I want to keep going. Some of you have given your life to Christ and you've never really learned the lesson of continuing. And some of you have never started the step. You've learned about God. You've even been religious. You've tried to be a good person even, but you've never trusted Christ as Savior. And the Bible reminds us that we need Christ. We need to, be, we need to firmly believe in the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you today to follow the right course. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? If you're here in person or if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you, have you ever trusted Christ as Savior? I'm not asking if you try to be good because the Bible says you can't be good enough. I'm not asking if you've been religious. You can't be religious enough. You need Christ as Savior. Today, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ. Would you repent of your sin? Just acknowledge before God, God, I've sinned against you, and I want to turn from it. Would you place your faith in Jesus, what he did for you? Christ, I believe you died for me and rose from the grave for me. You can save me. Would you receive him as Savior? Lord, I want to ask you to save me now. And if you'll do that, he'll save you. But I want to remind you, Christian, that's just the start, not the end, the start. God wants you to grow in faith, to follow that course. And as we've noted these 10 principles of following that course, maybe the Lord has spoken to you about one or two of these and kind of put that on your heart. I want you to follow the truth. I want you to learn it, to know it. 
I care about your conduct, what you do. I, wanna, I want you to live with purpose, not just follow the easy road, but sometimes I'm going to send you uphill, live with purpose. I want you to have faith, to trust me deeply, to be patient, to choose love, to live with endurance. Maybe speaking to you about enduring difficulties, the sufferings and persecution that come in our world, or to beware the deception that happens when we follow the world's way instead of God's way. Or maybe just saying to you, I want you to stay faithful, continue continue. Father, I want to thank you for your word and the power of it and the course you have for our lives. You've got a purpose for us. You made us for a reason. We're not an accident or a mistake. And you want us to live our life with purpose. You want us to follow you and follow the course you have for us. So I'm praying, Father, that you will use your word to draw people to salvation, that they'll give their life to you, and that you'll use it to grow us to follow you and to continue on this path day after day and week after week and year after year and decade after decade for a lifetime to follow you because you are worthy, every bit worthy of us following. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.